You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. She's already said you better find your own way home. Great, so I'll, I'll expect a phone call. Yeah. On, on Grey Cup Sunday. I'll bail you out. I'll get you home. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Ready, set, hook. Travis Curra and Brazilian Tide today. Brazilian Tide, do you officially feel part of the podcast now? Oh, it's about 95%. Okay, what's the last 5%? The intros. Okay, well, I'm not even in the intro right now. So <laughs> I like how you cut off the intro early so that John doesn't even get mentioned anymore. <laughs> well, you ruined it just now, but we got a fresh new logo. So when do you get uh, tat- get that tattooed on your lower back? <laughs> Who says I don't already have it? <laughs> Maybe that's why I pushed so hard for that design. <laughs> kind of does look like a target. If you uh, <laughs> check us out on Facebook and Twitter, to announce got that brand new spiffy logo. In the huddle on the to and out podcast. I guess we should start by mentioning uh, the ratings for the East and West semifinal. Man, they were pretty damn good. The East semi between the Riders and the Red Blacks averaged 975,000 people. And the West semi between the Bombers and the Eskies averaged 1.1 million people. It's funny, uh, during the season there's always this discussion of doom and gloom and this and that. But November comes around and everything is... Almost always positive, I think. 7% more viewers than last year and the most that we've seen in three years. So that's good news. People love their playoff football. I think, I think that's exactly what it is. The games, the games mean so much more now, and you get your casual fan, for example, a Ryder fan who maybe doesn't quite follow the game quite as much as a diehard does, but when there's a chance to watch your team, no matter how much you follow them in the playoffs, it just adds another level. I always find it interesting, Ryder fans. They'll be quick to say, hey, you know, we come to your stadium, we boost your attendance numbers, we boost the ratings. But that West Semi, the Eskies and the Bombers, I think the Eskies are a pretty big draw when it comes to the ratings right now. Not only the Eskimos, the Blue Bombers, too. That's that's a pretty, uh, not necessarily a big market, but a good market for the CFL. All the Prairie teams really are. You're going to draw, draw pretty well, especially on TV if it's an away game. Um, and granted, the, the, that game could have been a little better, but we were treated to pretty decent football games, and a lot of people were able to tune in, so that was awesome. Some very interesting news coming out of Ottawa, at least from general manager Marcel Desjardins. He, he said some interesting things about Trevor Harris. Now I'm wondering if he might be a part of the giant quarterback carousel that's going to happen in this offseason. So many pivots hitting the uh, free agency Lisa Wallace out of Ottawa reported that Marcel Desjardins said he would rate the quarterback position as good but not great where have I heard that before obviously he's uh, the key uh, at that position for everybody right so for us I mean we we would like to have Trevor back I know he wants to be back um, let's just hope that the numbers can work that way. The actual uh, paperwork is one thing, but the actual talks part of it, I mean, that's something that we could uh, start as soon as he and his agent are comfortable doing it. But they have to, you know, 
I guess, open that door first. He said something else very interesting in there. Let's hope the numbers can work that way. Uh, I thought that that was, you know, as sure as apple pie being awesome that Trevor Harris would be back in Ottawa next season. Maybe this is just a negotiating tactic from Desjardins. I don't know, but I found it interesting nonetheless. You got to pay him basic like it doesn't matter what the numbers are if you don't have a quarterback in this league you could have all the offensive weapons you want if you can't get them the ball you're not going to win football games i mean who who was able to get bj cunningham and ernest jackson the ball in montreal basically nobody and they only won three games pay the man put a team around him and and you'll have continued success he's he's a poor man's mike riley i hate to say it I, i don't mean it as a knock um mike riley is just on another level when when you talk when you compare him to Trevor Harris but they put up almost the same numbers passing yard wise and touchdown wise um you know this is a guy that went that has proven that he can win football games in this league and you know he he studied under Ricky Ray before he became a starter so you know that he's that he's got a head on his shoulders and I I I hope it's a I hope it's a ploy a negotiating ploy but if they don't resign him I I don't know what's going on in Ottawa it's also interesting because, believe it or not, Trevor Harris turns 32 before next mm-hmm. season, and on Sunday he just made his first career playoff start. So he's kind of gotten, a, I don't know, a little bit of a late start in his career as a starting quarterback in this league. But <laughs> this just makes this offseason a pile uh, more interesting and uh, the free agency list we're going to get into it we have the lists basically for saskatchewan bc and winnipeg it's already a mile long it is going to be a gong show once free agency comes around in february if they don't re-sign harris the, the only option i can think of is trying to go after james franklin the, the, the only viable option if, if they're worried about him being 32 maybe you're, you're gonna want a younger guy like, I, I don't know why you wouldn't resign him well if the rumors from Hamilton are true and that players aren't going to be sticking around if Kent Austin is still around Jeremiah Mazzoli is a free agent Zach Caleros will be available Ricky Ray Brandon Bridge James Franklin Travis Lule heck Darian Durant there is a pile of names that are going to be available this offseason and, and Trevor Harris is probably the best one out of those names. So I, I, I think you got to pay him. I, I think that's a dumb move by Desjardins. But I mean, I, I get that he's going to try to talk his player down a little bit and maybe try to get him cheaper. But everybody knows what he is. He knows what he is. He, he he's the stats. He, he knows he's won football games. He's, they're going to have to pay him if they want to keep him. That's just it. There was also some more interesting news from Winnipeg this time. Justin Medlock quoted as saying he needs to think about whether he wants to play in Winnipeg, whether he wants to play somewhere else, or whether he wants to play football at all. I didn't expect that. Kickers are like goalies. They're weird. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. They're a different breed, my friend. They're, they show up, make some kicks, go in the hot tub, and go home, right? Yeah. Um, it, it would be a shame if he were to walk away from football entirely. Um, you know, he's one of the greatest kickers we've seen come along in a long time. Um, maybe, maybe he wants to go somewhere else. Maybe he's just trying to say maybe he doesn't want to play football so that Winnipeg doesn't, 
even extend an offer because he's going to get offers from he'd get offers from almost any team. So um, it, I I don't want him to walk away. I want to I like I like watching this guy kick. It's exciting, um, and he fits so well with Michael Shea because he's such a good kicker that he can do all the those little pooch kicks and short kicks that O'Shea wants to employ and try try to get those trick plays going. So um, it'd be a shame if he if he doesn't uh, continue on. But I I don't think he'll quit. Uh, I could see him maybe wanting to move on and play for somebody else, maybe with a better shot. Because um, it's tough to get through that West Division right now. It it is. It's it's going to be tough for a few years still too. The free agent list for Winnipeg. It has been released, and there are some big names on a couple, actually a few from the offensive line. Stanley Bryant, Travis Bond, Jamarcus Hardrick, they're all on there. Weston Dressler is on there, which, by the way, I guess he's played the last month with a broken hand, and he really has become a leader on that offense, especially when Darvin Adams went down, and he had a good few games, especially considering he had a broken hand. The guy's a warrior. Uh, He has seen a bit more injuries than you'd like during his Winnipeg career, but uh, he is a free agent going into next season. Clarence Denmark, Timothy Flanders, Kevin Fogg, Sam Hurl, Westerman, Heath, Randall, Leggett. Those are some big names for Winnipeg. So just basically their entire defense is free agents, except for Taylor Loeffler. <laughs> hey, and maybe that's a blessing in disguise for Winnipeg, but we will get into that. Uh, speaking of their coaches... All of the coordinators for next season are under contract. They actually extended Paul Lapalise at the beginning of uh, the season here. So that takes him off the list for Montreal uh, to be the head coach there. Apparently, the short list looks something like this to be the head coach for the Alouettes next season. Anthony Calvillo, Devon Claybrooks. And apparently Ben Cahoon has been brought up as well, who is on the coaching staff for Brigham Young University, south of the border. I, I can't see him just getting the head coach gig. I could see Calvia or Clay Burks getting it, though. And then if Clay Burks get it, hey, maybe Noel Thorpe jumps right into Calgary. But uh, Oh, that's just what we need is Calgary to get an unreal defensive coordinator. Well, they, I, I'd argue that they already have one. It would be, well, yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be much of a drop off there. Uh, I would feel. You, would you even take that interview? Because I wouldn't. That's the thing, and, and maybe Lapo wouldn't have taken it anyway because he knows better. No, it, it's a complete dumpster fire, and all you're going to do is your coaching record is going to be four and fourteen, and it's going to look like crap. Or they're going to last the whole season. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I guess, well, as a, if, if they hire a first-time guy, they almost have to let him ride it out, I would think. But I, there'd be no way I'd be taking that interview. I'd, I'd rather just stay as a coordinator where I am or, you know, coach coach some kid's high school team. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you are a first-time coach, this team has to give somebody a legitimate shot. Eight games isn't going to do it for anybody unless, you know, they've completely lost the room altogether, which I don't know how it can get any lower than this, but Anthony Calvillo has worked his way up the coaching ranks pretty quickly. It would not shock me if he's the guy next year. They seem to be unable to fire him, though, because of his history with the Alouettes. Maybe that's his saving grace because his name is Anthony Calvillo. I I think they got to bring in a veteran coach, a guy who's been there, done that. Um you know, it's such 
an unstable environment right now that if you can get a guy in there for a couple of years, help kind of bring that organization back. Cause it, since Calvillo and Tressman left, they it's been embarrassing really. Um, you know, you need, you need that coach to kind of rebuild this, this team and get some depth back again. And then, um, then you can maybe look at bringing in somebody else. Um, you know, you, you, in a coaching job, you get hired to be fired, and you do. If, you, you do. It's Billy Martin was fired three times by George Steinbrenner. So, I mean, you don't want to bring in a rookie guy and totally tarnish him and like his reputation, and everything as a coach, because he's got nothing to work with. If you bring in a guy who who's coached before, who's got the rapport in the league, the reputation, you might be able to turn this around. And then you can have a guy like Calvillo work under him, maybe not even as a coordinator, as an, maybe more as an assistant, and learn the ropes a little more from a guy who's got the experience and in a more stable position, and then he's able to just hand the team over when it's time for him to go. And that might actually benefit them a whole hell of a lot than just bringing in a new guy with the same old regime upstairs who hasn't put together a decent football team on the field in the last three years. As of right now, uh, Richie Hall, the defensive coordinator for Winnipeg, is still under contract for next season as well. We, we do need to change what we're doing on defense. We can't expect uh, to do the same thing and, and get the results we want. Um, every player on the defense knows that. Every player on the team probably understands that. Every player on the defense knows that, understands that. Every coach on the defense knows that. Um, what does that involve and entail? We're not, we're not even close to figuring that out yet. You know, we have to sit down and, and watch all the film again and 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 have good discussions about why things happen the way they do. So O'Shea has basically said the defense needs to change things but wouldn't say what or when or what's exactly going to happen. I I, I got to think that Richie Hall is pretty much done with Winnipeg. Uh, I saw some stat over the past two years, they gave up over 14,000 yards, but they also had over 100 takeaways. But I I think you'd trade some of those yards for a few turnovers here and there. To a point, um, 14,000, that's a lot of yards. Um, I'm surprised they've, like, if you're giving up that many yards, it, it becomes more of a bend-don't-break defense, really, where you're just like you're hoping for a turnover or hoping for a stop at some point on the field and maybe holding to a field goal. And that's um, the Richie Hall way. Like let the oh, absolutely. offense, let them beat you, let them make a mistake. But yeah. I, I don't know. Does that win championships anymore? Apparently not. It's it's really hard to give up plays and still win football games. At some point it's going to catch up to you. It's it's There's going to be a regression to the mean. And with like with all the free agents you mentioned, if something if a lot of those guys don't come back, well, you're gonna lose. You're gonna be giving up even more yards, I think, because this defense is has melded so well together. They feed off each other. Once the turnovers stop happening, it's like a it's like a snowball effect going downhill, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. Um, but I would rather have them, you know, give up less if if getting less turnovers means giving up less less yards because I'm gonna play play a little bit different style, I'd take that. The Ryder free agent list looks like this. Brandon Bridge, Deron Carter, Nick Dembski, Dan Clark, Bruce Campbell, Thaddeus Coleman, Willie Jefferson, Eddie Steele, Jeff Knox, Otha Foster, Casey Rogers, and Javon Johnson. There is a lot of talent 
on that list. Let, now let's quickly go through the BC Lions list. Travis Lule, Manny Arsenault, Nick Moore. It actually looks like the entire offensive line. That might be a blessing in disguise as well. Craig Rowe, Bryant Turner, Fenner, Lee, Purifoy. Yell. There is a lot of talent on this list. A lot of it has to do with uh, the CBA putting in the one-year contracts. If I had it my way, I think we'd do away with those one-year contracts. I think it does make it hard for fans to get attached to certain players. The league has struggled with building stars and you know building players up, and I think part of it is these one-year deals and uh, players constantly just moving from team to to team, uh, I'd like to do away with those one-year deals, but it sure does make the off-season interesting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll ever get rid of the one-year deals. Uh, like both sides are going to have to agree to that, and I think the players, the players like that option to where they can move around. Like it's a no risk really for the player if they sign, for example, Carter this year signing in Saskatchewan. If he and Chris Jones butted heads, well, he's gotten out at the end of the year and it doesn't matter. It's not like he's stuck there for two or three and has to get traded. So I don't, I don't think that's going to change. But I think you're totally right that the, it makes it kind of hard to market a lot of these guys because you don't know where they're going to be. Um, like Ryder fans right now, I don't know why you wouldn't want Deron Carter back. And if he leaves, well, that's a huge hole in your offense. Now that you get, now you got to fill that and get it and get it get attached, so to speak, to another guy, and then he might leave. So, like the one year contract is detrimental that way. But I don't think the players ever give that up. I also would like to see these lists made public. I do understand why we don't show the salaries that are being made for the players. Uh, and I, I know, especially in the NHL in Canada, there are so many armchair GMs that like to talk about the salary cap and contracts and all this stuff. I would like to see the CFL release contract lengths. I would, I would love to, to see something like that, to see you know when guys' deals are up and things like that. And I think that would be a great uh, tool for fans to discuss all uh, off-season long, all season long. I, I would love to see that. Well, not only that, but how about the nag lists? Yeah, that too, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm getting really tired of reading one half of a trade. <laughs> like that's that yeah it's so stupid like who cares it, like teams know who's on teams nag lists they do yep. so why not make it public why does it matter you're not protecting anybody like you're telling me that if if ottawa fans knew johnny manzel was on or sorry hamilton fans knew that johnny manzel was on their nag list that it would have made a difference they found out anyway yep so what, who are we protecting here? You're not protecting the teams. The only thing you're protecting the team from is people coming out and saying, well, you got this guy on your nag list. Why aren't you signing him? Or why aren't we trying this guy out? Like, that's all you're stopping. And maybe some teams need to hear this because some teams aren't very good right now, Montreal, and maybe some nag list players wouldn't be a bad idea to take a look at. But I, I don't understand why, why we can't know. When a guy gets traded, oh, he got traded for a nag list player, you might – Never find out who that is. Never, yeah. And that's so stupid to me. That's the one thing I can't stand with the CFL. The Loney Bowl ended up happening on Tuesday. Acadia beat St. Mary's 45-38 in overtime. So it was... Double overtime. Yeah, it ended up being quite the game. I think the best part of the game was the... uh, the receiver, Jack, for uh, 
St. Mary's got a penalty for being an ineligible receiver on one play. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how do you? That is the definition of irony, right? You think they would have learned their lesson? Yeah, totally. Like, just report it, man. It's not that hard. <laughs> Now it is going to be Acadia and Western and the UTEC Bowl in Calgary and Laval. Have fun with that. In the Mitchell Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Um, Three days rest against the Mustangs. That is going to be a tough one for Acadia. And Calgary and Laval, that is going to be a war in the Mitchell Bowl. So there's going to be some good Canadian University football. I... I'd love to tell you where to watch it, but I don't know. <laughs> Mind you, with it being national semifinals, I wouldn't be surprised if Sportsnet does actually do it. They I, did I, last actually, year. I, I do think that they probably will, actually, and I'm guessing McAuliffe will have one of the games. Awesome. Last year uh, they, they had it available to watch all through the most of the playoffs, so that was mm-hmm. good to see. Let's talk about the CFL division finals. We'll start with the East final. The Riders are in Toronto to take on the Argos. The last time that these teams played in the playoffs was the 2002 East semifinal. I got a clip here. Nothing crazy happens <laughs> into the clip. I just want you to listen to the names. <laughs> it, and this is from the CFL on CBC, so just listen up. Oh, Terrence Melton moves up to the defensive end position from linebacker for Saskatchewan. First down, Argos. Slack standing in the pocket. Pressure. He breaks another tackle. Black gets it away. Morielli diving for it. He's got it. And rolls close to the first down marker. There's a veteran in Mike Morielli the second time. First one, he didn't catch it over on the sideline. This one, he does. He's just trying to find the open area when Reggie Slack is, is scrambling. And Slack's big, strong quarterback is tough to bring down. Morielli hangs on. They'll have to measure this. Mike Morreale, Reggie Slack. Man, there were some good names there. Uh, As if you found that clip. That is unreal. (laughs) The Argos won that game 24-14. Some good news for both teams as far as practice this week. Brandon Labatt was back practicing for the Riders. And we're going to see if he's going to play this week. It actually doesn't look like he will be playing but it is good to see him practicing. Maybe he does get on the roster. Uh, I don't know. And this is pretty interesting. Nick Dembski has been removed from the six-game injured list. That makes him eligible to return to practice. I don't know if we only see him on the field if they end up winning this game and we see him in the Grey Cup, but it's good to see him uh, taken off that list and being able to practice as well. As for Toronto, Marcus Ball, Brack back practicing that's another situation where we don't know his status he's got a leg injury for the east final and some good news here over 20,000 tickets sold for that game in Toronto it will be their biggest crowd of the season the previous high for this year is 16,000 I think those people that are so quick to report the low attendance numbers should be reporting this one it is going to be a great atmosphere at BMO it is such a cool place to watch a game of course I was only there for the Grey Cup last Last year, and maybe one of the greatest Grey Cups in the past 20, 25 years. It was an incredible game. But that atmosphere, it's an intimate setting. More people should go out to watch it. And I think this is a critical game for that Argonaut franchise. Uh, I mean, if the Riders come in and smash them, I think some people are going to say, well, that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of pressure on that team, I think. 
half that stadium might be green by this point. I don't think so. But I, I hope it's not. I hope that Toronto was able to get a lot of their own fans out because let's be honest, if this league for this league to be a success successful, this franchise has to be somewhat successful. You, you can't have them toiling. And Rider that, fans are so arrogant. <laughs> oh my God, we're the worst. I, there are some people saying that it's going to be eighteen thousand Rider fans. No, it's not. No, I it won't I, be. I'm putting the number. Maybe five, six thousand. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, a quarter. Yeah, to to say that we'll show up for this game. Either way, it is going to be a really cool atmosphere at that one. Maybe more Ryder fans will show up in Ottawa if they make the Grey Cup, but I don't think it's going to be all green in Toronto. So. I encourage you, uh, maybe if you are a Ryder fan listening into the GTA, hey, maybe get out to a few more games that your team is not in next season. I, I do it every week in Edmonton. If you got some cash, uh, go check out other games because it is just a really cool place to watch football. And you know what? If they win this game in front of that many fans, the Argos, I do think it is a good thing for that franchise. There are some storylines to look at. Corey Chamberlain. Of course, he's the D.C. for Toronto against the team he won the Grey Cup with in 2013. I know Pete Diakowski is a former Argo. <laughs> Smartest man in Canada. And it's kind of the Kevin Glenn situation. He never suited up, but he was there for a, a little bit. And I put this down. Mark Tressman plus veteran QB versus Saskatchewan Rough Riders equals nightmares. Too many men on the field. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that too, that too. <laughs> That's the exact same thing. The Riders won both matchups during the season, but they were pretty close games. Ricky Ray did have some success against the Riders, 727 passing yards, and of James Wilder had 112 rushing yards. Early in the season, they weren't really using James Wilder, but later on, he did have a lot of success against the Riders. Expect the Argos to lean on him a little bit. What's interesting here is that uh, the leading rusher against the Argos for the Riders is Cam Marshall. They will be without him. They will be with Marcus Figpen in this one, who had a great game last week against Ottawa. Yeah, and it, he's going to have to have another one again, especially against his defense. Uh, it's going to be hard to run or throw the ball. Um, you got the the guys that they have in their front seven, but um, they're going to have to win the battle in the trenches. Whoever does that on Sunday is going to win this game. It's it's going to be a war. It, it, this game, I think both of these teams, it, it's crazy how well they match up against each other. Deron Carter, he had over 200 yards against the Argos during the season. S.J. Green had 154 against the Riders during the season. But this is... This game's a bit different for the Riders in the way of the defensive line and linebackers they're going to be facing like they did last week. They've they've kind of got into this system where if Kevin Glenn gets put on his ass or he gets pressured, they'll make the switch very quickly to Brandon Bridge. And that might be happening in this one because you look at the front seven for Toronto. You have Sean Lemon, Victor Butler, Bear Woods, these guys, I think, are to be bringing the heat against Kevin Glenn. They're going to be forcing him to make some really tough throws and some very quick decisions. And the Argo defense is, I think, extremely underrated, especially if they get Marcus Ball back on the field. 
I, I don't think they can be overlooked at all. And, and Cameron Marshall being out like he has been for the last little bit in and out of the lineup, he helps that offensive line so much because he's such a good blocker. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see when he's in the lineup, Kevin Glenn has more time and plays way better. Um, Thigpen maybe is not the blocker that Cameron Marshall is. But the, with those names that you mentioned on that front seven for Toronto, um, Glenn's not going to have a lot of time. There's going to have to be a lot of quick routes. Uh, he's going to have to throw the ball out to maybe take Penn, for example. Like He's going to need to check downs. Um, these guys are going to be flying. Um, Labatt being out, if he isn't playing, um, is huge as well for the Riders. Uh, yeah, like you said, very underrated. Chamberlain is, is a heck of a DC, um, and he's got the weapons right now. Everybody is playing really well for that defense right now. So it, it could be it could be scary for Kevin Glenn. And like you said, if he gets put on his ass a couple times, they're not, Chris Jones won't uh, won't hesitate to make that switch. But um, Chris Jones being the defensive coach that, that he was and is, um, he's seen it all. He's he's done it all on defense. Um, they're they're going to be watching film all week. They're going to be ready. They might be able to come up with some sort of blocking scheme to, to give Glenn that extra time he's going to need. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it, that defense is scary on the Toronto side of the ball. I think it's going to be a fascinating watch to see how the Ryder defense is going to play against mm-hmm. Toronto. They, they've they really learned how to get James Wilder involved. I think he's got something like 700 yards in the last six games. He has been playing some great, great football. The Riders at times this season have struggled against the run, and – when they've seen their greatest success, like when they blew out BC, when they blew out Edmonton, they were getting to the quarterback and they were stuffing the run. But at times they would just rush three and everybody's back in coverage, which is great, but teams were able to run all over them. But I also think that Ricky Ray, now that they've got Anthony Coombs back on the field, they had him in the last game of the season. They didn't ease him in at all. Now he's got the week off to get even more healthy. This week of practice, it is going to be a tough one. They need to get to Ricky Ray, but Ricky Ray has so many options. He can dump it off to Coombs. He will throw it to Wilder. You have S.J. Green, Armonte Edwards, former rider, uh, Posey. There is a lot of weapons in Toronto that Ricky Ray is able to get the ball too fast, and the riders can't just cover it all. That's that's almost impossible to do. No, it, it, it just can't be done. Um, you've only got a finite amount of time to get to this quarterback. And Ricky Ray, you, you need to hit him every chance you get. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Riders end up taking a couple roughing the passer calls because they're trying to put him on his ass. Um, they they know that without him, the defense takes a huge step backwards or the offense takes a huge step backwards. So they're going to have to get after him. They're going to have to find a way to stop the run at the same time. Wilder can run rough shot on any team in this league. Um, he's been so hot lately. They're just going to they're going to have to play a really well-rounded all-around defensive game. And the thing that worries me is Ricky Ray's going to notice one little mistake and it's going to be 7 points. And that's not going to be good for this Ryder team. Yeah, and I think Tressman and Ray the duo has already proven this season. I know the Argos were only 
500. Hey, the Riders were only 10 and 8 as well. It's just it, the, the parity in the league is quite crazy right now. I actually can see any four of these teams winning the Great Cup next Sunday in Ottawa, but Ray and Tressman are going to be super prepared, and if they find a weakness in that Rider defense, they're going to exploit it all day long. And SJ Green, you can't cover him. I, I don't care who you are. <laughs> no. Nope. To, to cover him and the duo of him and Ray, uh, I think the Riders are they're going to be in tough and they're going to have to play maybe their best defensive game of the season here. Oh, hands down. You're, you're facing a legend in the CFL. This guy has, for years, destroyed defenses. Picks him apart. His little five-yard outs that he throws 65 yards to get there, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he does that all game, and eventually you you get lackadaisical, you bite on it, and the guy is 20 yards behind you, wide open, and it's six points. So they're going to have to make sure that they're they, that they just they can't make mistakes, and if they do, they have to be minimized. Um, you, you're gonna have your safeties are gonna have are gonna be an integral part. I think um, you know your corners can't do it all. Um, they're they're gonna have to come over the top with the safeties and just have that extra layer, especially on green side of the field. They're they're gonna have to find a way to double him, and even then, I don't think it's enough for for most for most passes. But um, yeah, they're they're gonna have to play a perfect game, which is nearly impossible if not totally impossible but they're gonna have to play the closest thing they can do a perfect game in order to win on sunday the argos are six in three at home it's the first playoff game ever at bmo field that the argos have played in i should say brazilian tie who are you picking and why <sighs> saskatchewan was two and zero, oh, and i know i said last week that you don't beat a team three times in football but or in the same season but I, I gotta stick with the riders. Um, you know, Carter is such a such a weapon. Um, the defense is starting to round into form. It, they're just everything's kind of going right at the right time. It seems, um, you know, and the red zone offense is they've been scoring when they get there, especially against Toronto this year. They're ten for ten on either re- touchdowns or field goals. Um, and that's they, a big they, key for the Argos. Yeah. They've struggled at finishing drives at times this season with you know even some costly drops here and there. So red zone's big for the Argos in this one as well. But I, I think if the O line can keep Glenn upright and uh, keep him clean, then Saskatchewan's got. I I don't. Like, yeah, they got to keep him upright. They got to keep him clean, and they should be able to win this game. Um, However, if they can't do that, Bridge has to come in sooner rather than later because they don't want this thing to get out of hand. You're locking in the Riders. Final answer. Street Hard and Kenny Shields, yes, for the Prairies. I, <laughs> when we started this podcast, the Riders sucked. The next year, the Riders sucked. Now, <laughs> they're in the East Final. It's kind of foreign territory that uh, the the Riders are in the playoffs and I have to pick their playoff games. I think I'm picking the Argos. A very, very close one here. I don't know if they can get to Ricky Ray fast enough, 
and I do think he will uh, he'll have a nice day uh, with the Ryder defense. Like you said, he will. If it takes thirty plays to get down the field, he will take it. He he will take exactly what the defense gives, and I think they're gonna give uh, the Ryder quarterbacks some fits as well. So I'm picking Toronto. Ryder fans, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Don't hate me, but I'm, I'm picking the Argos. Yes, that's me picking against the Riders the second week in a row. Maybe that's maybe that's the key. Why am why am I on the bottom of the logo? <laughs> The bottom of the log. I don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe I'll just pick against the Riders every week so people can stop calling me a homer. And it's well, sn- and it's working. <laughs> They're one and zero. So I mean, keep doing it. <laughs> and a sniffer. I had somebody call me a sniffer. What does that even mean? I don't know. Okay. It's like somebody in the bar last night telling me that maybe other fans are starting to realize that Connor McDavid isn't as good as they thought he was. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, you're a Leafs fan, hey? <laughs> maybe it, maybe because you can sniff you out. I don't know. I, I've never heard that before. Yeah, well, well, that's what I am. I, I will take it. Uh, we're going on to the Western Final. The Calgary Stampeders home to the Edmonton Eskimos. The last time these two teams played in the playoffs, it was only two years ago. It was the Western Final at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton, and the Eskies won 45 I think the two heavyweights of the CFL over the past few years are battling in this one. Mike Riley versus Bo Levi Mitchell. And the Stampeders are fired up. From all reports of Stampeder practice, it has been all business. I, I, I'm hearing that they are 100% focused. But why wouldn't they be? They've lost three games in a row. Some big names back at practice for the Stampeders as well. Ja'Garrett Davis, Cordero Law, McDaniel, Michelle, Finch, Bergman, all back at practice for the Stampeders. So that week off last week has definitely helped them. And for fans, if you're thinking about being in the stands for that one, Get down there, man. The 50-50 starts at $100,000. <laughs> be I, I might have stands. to call in sick on Sunday. <laughs> hey, you pick me up odds. at the airport. <laughs> I'll pick you up on the way, man. It's better odds than the lottery. <laughs> uh, it's not better odds than what I had at curling a couple weeks ago, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you won that 50-50, but that's also not $100,000. Well, it was one-fiftieth of that. <laughs> it is going to be, I think, quite the atmosphere at McMahon Stadium, and it is going to be a battle. These two teams played three times during the season. Normally, uh, you know, it's just Labor Day in the rematch, but the Stamps took two of those games. But the last one in Edmonton, the Eskimos handled the Stampeders. 
What Stampeders team are we going to see on Sunday? I honestly don't know. Um, I, I hate when teams rest before the playoffs. Um, you're messing with your rhythm. You're messing with your timing. Um, I, I get you guys don't want to get guys injured, but guys can get injured walking into the facility. You can get injured getting off the bus. It's a chance you got to take. You don't want to mess with what you have going. You finished thirteen four and one. You should have been sixteen one and one, or maybe fifteen two and one. But I, I just I hate resting guys because it just it seems you come off of that week or week uh, weeks of kind of everybody's kind of taking turns. Everybody's kind of banged up. I get it, but um, it's like we saw in Ottawa last week: rest versus rust. Um, I'd rather have those guys playing. Maybe. Not maybe not even the whole game. Treat it like a preseason game almost. Play, get get your first team reps in for the first half. You know, make sure everybody's good. Um, work on what you need to work on, and then hand it over to the second string guys to close it out, whether you're winning or losing. Um, and like you said at, at practice, that they're focused. That well, they should be. They should be really pissed off about these last two weeks because they've they haven't played well. So they need to rebound. Um, and yeah, Bo Levi's business when he's on the field. So I, I think that the team will be able to rally around that and yeah, kind of make a comeback from this last three weeks, this three-game losing streak they've had. But it's so tough to say when you rest all these guys and give everybody time off. The numbers you look at from the, the previous three games between this team, these teams, are quite remarkable. The Stampeders... Had 32 quarterback pressures in those three games against the Eskimos. If Double that, what the Eskimos had. If that happens in this game, the Stampeders are going to the Grey Cup for the second year in a row. Oh, not even a, not even an argument. <laughs> like if they, if Mike Riley get gets hit a bunch or even gets put under pressure. He's going to have to throw that ball into situations he doesn't want to. And that secondary for Calgary is just as good as their front seven. So you're just going to create lots of problems for these Eskimos offense. And you look at the leading receiver. Brandon Zilstra put up 400 yards against the Stampeders in their three games. The leading rusher is actually C.J. Gable, who only had one game against the Stampeders. The Stamps were able to shut down the Edmonton run game in the previous two games. It does mean a couple things to me. It means that there's been a ton of injuries at every position in Edmonton. Even the running back, C.J. Gable, has given them them a lot of stability. He may be the best blocking running back in uh, the backfield in the Canadian Football League. So he is going to need to be on uh, on his blocking game for this one against Calgary. Uh, the Stamps, DeVaris Daniels is healthy now. Uh, he had 240 yards against the Eskies during the season. Jerome Messam had 144 during the season as well. Is there a more important player here than C.J. Gable? Absolutely. Oh, no. Uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to get a run game to get um, Mike Riley time to throw the ball. And the, with the Calgary's defense, what it is, that's going to be tough. Um, just going back to those stats that you were rattling off there, do you know who the second leading rusher for the Eskimos was in this season series? Was it Ladarius Perkins? Uh, Mike Riley? No. <laughs> Close, though. It was Mike Riley with 79 yards. Really? 
in three games. And as for Brandon Zilstra, he went 127, 187, and 101. Wow. Hit over 100 yards in every game against that defense. So there is a ray of hope for that Eskimo offense. And I also think the big thing here for the Eskimos over the past few weeks is I don't want to call it the emergence, but the performance of a Darius Bowman who at the beginning of the season, yeah, he wasn't doing much, and then he hurt the leg, and he came back, and it, it was almost like, why why is he back? He's he, he, he didn't look full speed, but now it seems like something has clicked. Uh, he had the touchdowns last week. He looks like the old Darius Bowman again. So that is another aspect for the Calgary Stampeders defense. A healthy Bowman, Walker, and Zelstra has been doing it all year. It's to have three receivers of that caliber, that is tough to tough to cover. Well, and not only that, they got arguably the best quarterback in the CFL distributing the football. Yep. Which it, it's going to be really tough to stop, but if there's a defense that can do it, you're looking at it in Calgary. As for Calgary, that offense has, you know what, all season long, they – they haven't uh, – I, I don't think they've 100% clicked. And no, e- even maybe. when they beat the Tiger Cats 60-1, to one, it, it could have been I 100. I was just going to say, the, where, how do you rank that game against Hamilton at that point in time? <laughs> it it could have been 100. <laughs> right? It, it, that's basically Ohio State playing a Div 3 school at that point in time. It was bad in Hamilton. So – I mean, that was the best they've looked, but I think it had a lot to do with the situation that they were put in against Hamilton at that time. But even the offense didn't do much. It was uh, – Bo no. didn't do much that game. It was the turnovers, the special teams, all that. And Roy Finch coming back for the Stampeders being healthy, that's another thing that the Eskies need to watch for. He's the best returner in the CFL, uh, bar none. Um, you know – they're averaging in the season series. They averaged over fourteen and a half punt return yards to Edmonton's five under five and a half. <laughs> so wow. Roy Finch is if if that's if the Edmonton Eskimos have to punt the football, they're going to be in trouble with Roy Finch uh, returning those punts. The Eskimos having Sean White back is uh, really big for mm-hmm. them. They they missed him while he was gone. It was for most of that losing streak that he was gone. So to have him back, I know they're happy to have that. But Brazilian tie, who are you picking in this one? Because my uncle and auntie let me live at the farm for free two years ago, and the fact I'm a season ticket holder and I've watched a lot of this team's games, I really think they have what it takes to beat the class of the league, and it's going to be the Edmonton Eskimos on Sunday. I am only picking the Eskimos because of momentum. I thought it was because then your wife wouldn't make you sleep on the couch. <laughs> oh, You know what? We could, we could both be super happy on Sunday or both super depressed. And oh, this it could be a fight to end all fights. What if it is like? H- how does your relationship go if it is the Eskies and the Riders in the Grey Cup? How am I supposed to know? <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? That is that is a, not a question that I can answer. I I, I don't know how to treat that. Uh, very carefully. <laughs> 
I would buy two plane tickets. <laughs> She's already said you better find your own way home. Great. So I'll, I'll expect a phone call. Yeah. On on Grey Cup Sunday. I'll bail you out. I'll get you home. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> it's going to be quite interesting. But the Eskies, they have all the momentum in the world. I would not be shocked if the Stampeders come out and punch them right in the mouth, though. Um, oh, for sure. Um, and with Zilstra having the games he's had against this defense, you got to look for player, for guys like Bowman and Walker to get the ball a lot more because you know Tommy Campbell is going to be glued to Brandon Zilstra all game. And the Eskimos, they can't, there were some costly drops last week in Winnipeg. Well, not costly, but some bad drops because it didn't To cost make the game, the game closer than it should have been. Yes, absolutely. So if they're doing that against Calgary, it is a different game. Like mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, they need to play the perfect game to keep that momentum going into the Grey Cup. But I'm going to lock it in. And I'm going to pick the Edmonton Eskimos. I am not going to let that song go. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It's growing on me because it's starting to sound a lot better than Brian Hall yelling into a microphone. <laughs> but just, just a touch just a touch back on this game, Edmonton's going to need to finish drives when they get in the red zone. Oh, they're, yeah. It, they've, they've scored four touchdowns in the ten opportunities they've had in the red zone against the Calgary Stampeders. They're going to have to do it every time they're in the red zone on Sunday, and they're because once they get up, they can't take their foot off the gas. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to put it down and keep it down and just not not give up anything to this team because they'll bite you. I know a lot of people are maybe expecting that this game is going to be a shootout, you know, in the wild wild west. I'm gonna say it is going to be an ugly, slogging, <laughs> rough game. Oh, it's gonna be a fist fight and it's gonna be glorious. Yeah, down and dirty. These teams don't like each other. It is gonna be another fun day of Sunday CFL football. So good luck to your teams if you're still remaining. If they're not, well, have fun watching the games and <laughs> cheer your team on to the Grey Cup. Brazilian tie. We are just what? How many days away from the Grey Cup? Eleven days. Oh, that's my hockey number. Hey, let's take yeah, let's run with that. Eleven. And when do you know down. if you're going to be making it to Ottawa? Oh, I have a feeling I'm here till the middle of December now. Ah, oh. yeah. So I'm going to call in sick next Sunday for sure. Okay, man. But I mean, hey, I'll be here for moral support on my phone for you. Thanks, buddy. On the off chance that it's Edmonton, Saskatchewan. As much as I want it to be, it's so hard for for a team to come through that other division. It's never been done. Um, when you and Taylor start fighting <laughs> at Grey Cup Sunday, I, I will I will console you and find a way to get you home. Thanks, buddy. I need that. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> like, follow on Facebook and Twitter at Two and Out CFL. Give us a rating. Uh, a subscription on iTunes. Brazilian Ty himself only rated us four stars. So give us more than that. Well, I didn't want to just give you five. You had to earn the fifth one. You're on the show. <laughs> now. Change it to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could probably do that. i got to connect to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> 
We'll talk to you Monday morning after the East and West final. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.